Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2016. This is Louise talking about Step 2. My name's Louise. I'm an alcoholic. Gratefully sober today. Thanks for your share, guys. Um, That's fantastic. I've identified a lot and heard already this morning some medicine that I need today to remind myself. Uh, I didn't know I was an alcoholic. I, uh, I knew that I didn't really get living life and felt very different, but I most certainly didn't understand or know anything about the disease of alcoholism but I knew that I loved alcohol and I loved the effect of it and um, from the day I picked up my first drink I used to share that I was 17, I was actually 15, four, four vodka passion fruit UDLs and, uh, and I was on my way and I didn't really like the taste when I started drinking but the effect, what it did for me was the first time in my life that I felt complete and whole and safe within me. And I chased that effect for 26 years following that. And when I wasn't blind drunk, and when I wasn't shit-faced, I was obsessing about either drinking or not, which I've already heard this morning as a reminder. My drinking progressively got worse as I got older, And I've already heard this morning about trying to control it or not control it. But the truth of the matter is, if I drank how I wanted to, I drank out of control. And that's how I wanted to live. And in effect, for me, in my 30s, I stopped drinking when I had my two sons. And by the age of 32, after being a dry drunk for a couple of years, to to get back into it, you know, that word of, world of alcohol, we've all been there. It's just there. And to go back and get away from me, you know, I'd live with me without alcohol and, my, and the ego was all I had. And once I start picked up and started drinking by the age of 32, as I said, I progressively got worse. But I thought I'd found the answer. And I sit, would sit out on my deck every night after work and I'd have the kids fed, bathed, the house looked perfect. And I thought that I'd pleased everyone that day. I had everyone's acceptance and everything was all right, the ego was telling me, and I deserve this. And I'd sit down on the deck and I'd open a bottle of grog and I'd skull the first three glasses, I'd guzzle them, and I, I've already heard it this morning, you know, I'd, I'd spend my day juggling 50 things at once. That's how I'm wired. And everything I did had to be perfect and I was responsible for everything to run beautifully for the day. And I'd done that for 39 years and that's how I lived. And if I didn't have enough going on in the day, I'd chase more, you know. I, I thought that was my responsibility in life. <laughs> and I'd sit down on the deck and I'd guzzle those three glasses and... I'd obsess about it from one o'clock in the afternoon at work and I'd, by that stage I'd be having stomach cramps and the sweaty palms, um, my hair was falling out, I'd abscesses in my teeth, I was 20, 20 or 25 kilo heavier, I was wetting the bed every night, I had bruises all over my thighs and, and calves, I couldn't look in the mirror anymore, I'd put the makeup on in the, in the uh, revision mirror at work while dropping the kids off to childcare. 
all of my relationships were getting more and more distant. That's how I liked it. Um, my finances were becoming unmanageable. I was becoming more and more resentful on the fact that life was getting in the way of me getting drunk. And I'd have those first three glasses and I'd just think, oh, I'm here, you know, I've arrived. And all of my thinking when I was drunk, I felt normal. And I'd problem solve, people solve, work everything out for the day, might listen on the, on the iPhone till three in the morning, you know, Gladys Knight and the Pips and Eva Cassidy and Songs of Hope and some sort of something that I wanted, you know, I'd try and find it through music or writing or, or ringing up the phone and talking to a friend or, or reading in a book while drinking. And, and I was searching desperately, but I didn't know what I was looking for. And, uh, and I would black out often after those first three glasses and um, justified it all. I think it's none, of my, it's none of people's business about my drinking. It was my little secret, how I really felt about it. And I loved it more than my own children. I loved it more than me. That's how powerful alcohol was for me. But it was my little secret. The alcoholics were the three blokes at the bar, at the local RSL, that sat there the same day after day doing the same thing, talking the same shit. I'd get knockback drinks at the RSL, so I'd have to go home and I'd sit out on my back deck and do exactly the same thing till three in the morning. And I thought I was different. So I didn't understand anything about my disease of my mind and my physical allergy. Once I started drinking, I couldn't stop. I didn't want to stop. And when I wasn't drinking, I obsessed about it. And a multitude of events, which I can't really explain, they led me into a 12-step rehab on the 6th of Feb 2014. And I had no idea what was about to happen. I didn't really have a desire to stop drinking. But I couldn't live with me anymore. So I didn't even understand why. I didn't see any correlation between drinking and my thinking. And when I was admitted that day, it's funny... Not funny, haha, ironic, <laughs> in recovery, that I look back at those events of my early recovery and see how powerful and significant they were. All that simply happened was that I was, it was the most frightening day in my life for me, the most special person in the world, but also a piece of crap, to walk into a drug and alcohol rehab and ask for help. And the doctor that admitted me is a recovering alcoholic addict. He had 32 years up and he simply sat and shared his story with me for a couple of minutes. And I listened to him. I thought, oh, that sounds all right. And he said, he talked to me about the disease concept, which is in the doctor's opinion in the book. And he said, I'll get you physically sober in here and, uh, and you have a mental obsession <clears throat> you think about drinking, I thought, yep, I identify that and I can't stop and all I want to do is be drunk. And he said, but you have a spiritual malady and for that you'll be responsible and uh, I'll introduce you to AA. Have you heard of AA? And I thought, oh, yeah. Group of hopeless men sitting around drinking in a circle, which is what I thought, you know, my perception of AA would be. And I thought, well, I'm not hopeless. <laughs> you know, the disease of denial. <clears throat> So he said, if you do what you're told, this is how I was spoken to in my experience, if you do what I told and you do what the old-timers have done, you'll lead a healthy, sober life. Okay? And he said these words to me. He said, this is not your fault. 
and it was the first time, I think, in quite a few years I'd heard love and kindness from someone, and it was from another Elkie. And it was just enough <coughs> to give me hope that maybe I was worth it. Whatever was about to happen, maybe if I do the action, what they've done, maybe I can have what they've got. I didn't really believe that I was worth it, and that's the tricky part for me to get sober. I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous every day, and, uh, and on that night I was valiumed up on the 6th of Feb 2014, and, uh, and David and Chris come into the rehab that I was in and present. We're so lucky they present the steps one to four, and they come in every Thursday back then, and they talk about the steps. And I was sitting in the back row and I saw the 12 steps up on the wall and I saw the word God and I thought, I saw the word God a couple of years ago when I got a newcomer's pack from a GP. I had a staph infection and pneumonia and a drinking problem. And uh, he gave me a a camperol. That didn't stop me. Um, A newcomer's pack. And I remember flicking through that night in bed thinking, well, you know, how's what's God got to do with my drinking? That's a load of you know, crap, so we won't do that. I thought I was special. And uh, and I saw this word God on the old-fashioned writing. It reminded me of the Salvation Army, actually, the way that the steps, the print of it on the banners. And um, and the hand went up and David, had, the 12 steps were there. He'd explained the steps in point form. And I thought, done. I'm done it, OK? And I said, what's next? And he stopped <laughs> and he said, well, this is my first night and... Um, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I believe in a God, you know. I, I was raised in a religion and I believe in a God. <clears throat> what do I do? And he said, as long as it's a God of your own understanding, Louise, you're on the right path. And I love the fact in AA I was never told or given direct answers that I needed to find everything out from that day for myself. And I walked out to the smoking area and said to a, a man that was on day nine after a bust. He'd been in AA for 10 years and he was very physically sick. And, uh, and I looked up to him because he'd been sober for 10 years and he busted. And I said, what's going to happen? What do I need to do? I need to know. You don't understand. I need to know now. This is day one. I said, my husband and kids are at home. You don't understand. And I'm here. Just tell me the answer. And he said, you'll find out. And he walked off laughing to his room. And I thought, how dare you, you know. So my experience was that I started hearing things in rehab that I didn't understand how powerful they were. I heard, um, you're self-obsessive. You are so... um, You're so angry, Louise, you're either going to drink yourself to death or take your own life. And I'd say to the counsellor, no, I'm not angry, I'm frightened. And she'd smile. Uh, You're very persistent, Louise. Um, You don't listen. Just be quiet and listen. And I'm, and I'm fighting every day. And then, oh, I was just... I'd sleep from 1am till 4am. I'd be awake, ready for the next day in rehab, and I wanted it. I wanted to know. And I spent, as similar to what I've heard from Gay's experience, I spent the first 30 days without alcohol, and it was horrible. It was horrible. I was left with me. And they chipped away at my ego in there. They kept going and going and they asked me to stay longer. It was a 28-day program and they knew I was going home to a sick home, which I was a part of. And um, they asked me to stay in there. So thankfully on day 30, a patient 
told me a patient told me a horrible story of his experience and he said, oh, I'm going to leave, I don't want to tell anyone else. And straight away I tried to fix it, I wanted to make it better, I had to make it perfect. It's so painful to see other people's pain and me not be able to help. I was physically sober and I just wanted to get drunk and I couldn't and I was in the hospital and I, went, I too went in and shut my bathroom door, same similar thing, I didn't want any God help anyone to see me. And I started vomiting with fear and I was crying and I felt a depth of despair I've never felt in my life. And I got my book that night and I read the words, first of all, I had to quit playing God. And it was the first thing that I read in the book that I identified with and, and everything that I was reading was almost like this book was written for me. And I thought, I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic, I've, I've got a physical allergy and a mental obsession and I'm hopeless without a spiritual malady. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do any of this anymore. I need to, I need to find something more powerful than me. It doesn't matter what it is, I don't know what it is, as long as it's not me. I need to quit playing God, first action in my recovery. And I'd identified with people at meetings, the gift of just learning to listen at meetings... I heard the miracle in the rooms. They were just like me. They were exactly like me in so many ways. And, and they were sober and they were living a healthy, free life. And my willingness and my gift of desperation, which I've heard already today as well, was enough for me to give up on me. I'd given up, couldn't do me anymore, may have taken my life if I wasn't in a safe environment. And I didn't understand that at the time either. My denial was so thick. So <clears throat> nothing, no light bulb, mo no bright light, nothing like that happened. But I can tell you with every depth of my core that once I saw how sick I was, that I was an alcoholic, that I was powerless over me, the only thing that can help me is me and I can't help myself and I'm powerless, what am I going to do? And... I heard in the rooms what I needed to do. I needed to find something that wasn't me to guide my thoughts and actions in the day and to guide, <clears throat> to guide my thinking and go to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous every day and don't pick up a drink under any circumstances. So I started to think, well, if I don't drink, I might have some peace of mind in my life. I might have some purpose. I might have some self-esteem. I just may begin to feel a part of I may be able to live without the fear that I carry around and the self-pity and the loneliness, guys, the loneliness of the alcoholic. And uh, I was given hope and um, I woke up the next morning and everything was completely different. I was free of all of that. It was like everything was completely different and I find it very hard to verbalise and share what happened but all I know it's the most certain thing and the most certain experience I've ever had in my life. The day I surrendered and the day I gave up on me was the day that I came to believe. You know, I came to AA. I love the words. I came to. The fog started to lift. I was 30 days sober and I came to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity. By the way, my definition of sanity for me, my experience um, that I had an 
out of proportion perception of the world. My perception of me and everything else around it was completely out of whack. And, uh, and from that day forth, I could let go, take my hands just off the steering wheel, autopilot. I'm very frightened of uh, oceans. I don't think I'll ever go on a cruise, but never know. And every day I float in a massive ocean and I just hold on to AA with both hands and I believe each morning when I wake up I have a choice today. I can either run the show today and I can run on my own self-will or I can try and get the hell out of the way and use these steps by coming to believe that a power greater than me could change my perception. It happened. The most amazing thing happened. I, I came to AA every day when I came home from rehab and I, I met a woman that had a recovery that I wanted. A beautiful spirituality I felt safe with and I, and I wanted what she had. And she, I met her every week. And she just so kindly and lovely gave up her time in order for her to stay sober and help me. And we shared our experiences, two alcoholics sharing our experiences while going through the big book and identified and came to understand that I don't keep me sober, something more powerful than me does. And it's been an amazing journey. Once I work through the steps and each day in sobriety as I continue steps 10, 11 and 12, it keeps cleaning up all the crap. I'm still cleaning up wreckage from the past. I'm still able to, by putting in the actions in the day that's right for what I'm guided by my higher power, I'm starting to understand and get a balance of who I really am. And I didn't know that that day I was walking into rehab. I thought I was going in because I was a hopeless, ugly, fat, drunk with no future. And uh, two and a bit years on, my life is my life is very soft and gentle. If I do the suggested things, I'm free of being responsible of anything other than this very moment. That's what the Serenity Prayer is all about for me. I don't need to drink. The mental obsession left me by by working the other steps in the program, which you'll hear about later. Um, I don't think I had blind faith before. I got step two, and before it came to me, um, I don't think I had blind faith, but I was trying to work it all out. And by not working it out, everything was a complete paradox to me in recovery. By not doing and thinking too much, my thoughts aren't real, by the way, I heard in rehab. Um, and by putting in the action and doing the suggested things, by listening at meetings and not drinking today, I was able to start to emotionally grow and emotionally become sober. And my spiritual malady is only, only treated as much as by the action that I do to treat it each day. If I don't listen at meetings, if I don't believe throughout the day that God can restore me to sanity, I will very quickly, my thinking changes, I'll become irritable, restless, discontent. I'm responsible today and have a choice um, I'll become self-obsessive, I'll start looking at others, I'll start judging, I'll start blaming. Um, and the self-esteem drops, the ego grows. Um, so I've got to keep that ego at bay and keep it smashed each day. I, um, I learn through mistakes. So my sponsor said today, 
says today, you know, I, I haven't needed to make any big decisions in my recovery. I didn't understand it at the time. I thought he was nuts, actually. The answer will come. And I've found by me actually not doing anything and just letting it happen and by working the steps and keep bringing it back to me. You know, if I have this emotional feeling or if I feel this or if this person's done this, I keep looking at me and thinking, what's this teaching me? So I'm excited to be alive today and I'm excited to start to finally grow up, start to. But boy, there's been growing pains and it hasn't been easy. It's been painful. Uh, it's been one day at a time and thank, thank God that my higher power one day at a time has given me what I've been able to work with without getting blind drunk and without running away from me. So um, I think I'll just finish off with, uh, with coming, to, coming to believe in step two is that unless I work the program and, and help others in the day, uh, it can be all about me very quickly. So... That's another tool. All the tools in the program and all the steps sort of intertwine for me. But, um, but I have no doubt today um, that my faith throughout the day and as long as I treat my spiritual malady and my disease and don't drink and keep coming to meetings, that I hope, uh, I hope that my sobriety continues and um, I don't want to drink today. You know, that's amazing. And that's all I wanted to do and that was the only way I wanted to live. So, yeah, I'm a grateful Elkie. Thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.